assisted technology plays a significant role in the lives of those with dyslexia. Although, as my listeners will know, I still get lost using Google Maps. Today's guest speaker has been responsible for bringing the scanning pen, a piece of assisted technology, to Australia that was originally designed to support students that were studying at university. Today's guest speaker is the great-grandson of Winston Churchill, who himself was dyslexic. Jack Churchill is a fellow dyslexic and an advocate for changing the world for those with dyslexia through technology. So I'm very excited to welcome Jack Churchill to the show. He's dialed in all the way from England to speak with me this evening, your day. So welcome, Jack, to the show. Thanks, Shay. It's a real pleasure to be here on the Dear Dyslexic. Thank you for asking me to take part today. We're very excited to um, talk to you about all your experiences, your personal experiences with dyslexia, but also um, your scan pen that you developed. So what were the younger years like for you going through school? You speak about your great-grandfather, Sir Winston Churchill, who famously struggled in school. So you can track your dyslexia through your generations like I can with my family. And this is something I find really fascinating. So is this topic um, discussed a lot within your family and what was life like growing up for you? Um, yeah, so I went to school in the, the UK. Um, and in fact, I went to the same school as my illustrious great-grandfather. I went to Harrow School in North London. and. Um, He's obviously one of the most famous old boys. <laughs> um, I, um, yeah, I got diagnosed with dyslexia at the age of about 14. And it made a huge difference to me because I think my type of dyslexia meant that I was quite a slow reader and struggled to you know, do planning and to be organized and those sort of things. Um, I think, uh, you know, I've always been quite a good reader you know able to actually decode those words but just very slow at it and I'm still quite slow at it so getting the accommodations to uh, help me in my exams was crucial getting that extra 25% time in those days uh, made a huge difference to me completing my uh, GCSEs and A-levels and um, I then went on to university and got a degree too in um, information systems and publishing so um you know, I'd I, I really encourage everyone to get the necessary support and accommodations they can in most exam boards out there, whether you're at school or beyond, will give you some kind of um, accommodations to help you get through those exams. And you know, it always goes back to the old analogy of the glasses. You know, if you took someone's spectacles off them and then asked them to read a document you know some of them would really struggle and it's the same for people with dyslexia you know if they can't actually decode the words on the page then they're going to really struggle to answer the question on that exam paper um, as far as my family's concerned so yeah so Winston Churchill did famously um, struggle at school and uh, found it very difficult I think in those days it was long before dyslexia was ever um, you know, used as a term, I'm, I may be wrong, but I, I think back in the 1880s, 1890s, that was you know, long before dyslexia was really um, a term that was used. But yeah, he certainly struggled at school. And, um, you know, my brother and I both uh, were diagnosed with dyslexia and some of the next generation. So um, some of the, you know, the, the kids who are currently at school who are in my wider family, uh, definitely struggle with dyslexia so there is definitely something in the whole hereditary line of dyslexia and uh, 
mean, I think like I touched on earlier, it's just, I, I think it's really great we've got this title. I mean, some people complain about the title a bit, dyslexia, but it is great to have an umbrella organization that all of us who in some way have a neurodiversity um, and learn in a different way, uh, we can be categorized and given support as necessary. It's becoming a really uh, hot topic, as my listeners will know, within my family, because some of us are neurodiverse and some of us are neurotypical. And my mum was saying last night that she's very sick of hearing that she's just typical and that we're diverse. And she's like, I don't like this term. She said, I'm feeling discriminated against now. I said, well, now you know what we feel like, mum, all the time. So it's a topic, you know, we're constantly talking about it. It's because I, when I was diagnosed, then uh, my, one of my youngest brothers was diagnosed after that. And my nephew's dyslexic and we think my dad's dyslexic. So it's very, um, there's a lot of this in our family. And my, one of my youngest yeah. brother's marrying his fiance's dyslexic as well. So we're everywhere yeah. in our family. Well, and I think this is something that's really come out in the last, uh, I mean, although dyslexia has been around for a long time as a, uh, as a term, I think it's only really in the last I don't know, 10, 15 years that people are beginning to take invisible disabilities seriously. And, um, you know, just because you can't see someone's apparent disability from the outset, it doesn't mean that they don't have a disability. And I mean, so many people do have some form of disability. And uh, it's just wonderful if the, they and society as a whole can try and nail down uh, what it is that's the issue and try and find the necessary support mechanism. Because there's absolutely no reason why you know, so many more people can't be accessing education and accessing the workplace. And it's up to all of us to raise awareness of dyslexia and to help uh, the next generation that are coming through. Yeah, and it's interesting because when you mentioned before about your accommodations and you get 25% extra time, I think I was only allowed 15 minutes extra at uni. And we're really well supported in Victoria anyway um, for universities. Uh, if you get into uni, then you can access a lot of support. I have a disability coordinator. Um, I get all these extra things that help me to get through my PhD. But in schools, it's really different. So um, some schools are great and some schools are not great at uh, supporting young people to access the technology that they need. And in some places like Tasmania, the technology is actually taken off them in their final two years of school. So all this time they've had this support to get to them to where they are and then the technology has to stop because it's seen as an advantage, which baffles which me. Is so, which is so unfair, isn't it? Because, um, you know, if you're someone who can read, you don't need assistive technology to support your reading. But if you still struggle with reading, then you do need assistive technology to support you. And it's all about just getting you set up for the workplace one day. You know, we need an active workforce we need people not to be left behind and um, we need to give children in schools the best opportunity to pass those exams without obviously making it unfair on the children who don't get the necessary support but you know it is you know it is I think um, very unfortunate that some mainstream educators still think that you know, supporting people with dyslexia is you know with assistive technology is regarded as cheating and um yeah, I think I'd really hope over the coming years that any idea that you know, assistive technology is cheating is going to start disappearing because, as I said to you a minute ago, you know, anyone who can read wouldn't need help with 
you know, assistive technology to help them read an exam question or, or other. And, you know, if you're taking a geography paper, you're not being tested on your reading ability, you're being tested on your knowledge of volcanoes and earthquakes and all the rest. So, yeah. So do you find that discrimination occurs much in the UK? Because, I mean, a lot of the work we do at the foundation is based on um, research that's come out of the UK or Europe. And because Australia is still so far behind, um, I don't know, it's just, you know, raising awareness, but does it happen in the UK still, do you feel? Uh, I think there's a general lack of, you know, when teachers are being uh, trained, uh, as far as I'm aware, they, in the UK, they do half a day of dyslexia training. Mm. And, you know, that's, I think, not enough. We need to campaign and fight for you know, dyslexia to have a more prominent uh, focus within the teacher training and also for regular CPD sessions for teachers, yeah, even mainstream teachers because you know, we're told one in ten uh, are dyslexic so there'll be many kids in many schools who are not diagnosed with dyslexia but I reckon most children in most schools are not diagnosed with uh, dyslexia who should be diagnosed and so they're not getting necessary support. So it's really important that those general education teachers have a certain understanding of what dyslexia is and how they can bring in some you know, simple supports to help make life easier uh, for that individual and also to give ideas to the parents of other ways that they can support them. And, um, you know, often it's just a matter of um, you know, working really hard in certain areas and you can bring up some of your levels of, of reading and writing and you know sometimes these can be done in quite a fun way through apps and games and all the rest and you know, it's not always just sitting there writing the same word out 50 times so but i know so much has been done in australia you guys are really marching forward i think you're one of the most progressive countries in the world at the moment as far as dyslexia and i think that is wonderful that um whilst you may have been a bit behind four or five years ago you guys have really taken a, a march on this and uh, moving the whole conversation forward and supporting young people because I mean, like like we've discussed already you know we need these people to get into the workplace and to be doing jobs because there are job shortages certainly in many of the um, in many countries and you know we need workers who are ready to work and 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 as we've heard dyslexic people should be part of every boardroom you know in every company uh, because they bring a unique angle and unique difference which can really help a business uh, move forward it's interesting i was doing a podcast with um a lady from boston uh this week and we were talking about because there's not a lot of research around yet to say how dyslexic people we talk about our strengths um but we still need that strong evidence base around our strengths but also that you know moving away from that group think and being able to bring people that have dyslexia in that can think outside the box or see things differently so that they can challenge the status quo, which I think is really important. Yeah, I mean, and that's happening all over the world. You know, boardrooms are being told, you know, you need you know, different types of people on that table. You need an equal number of women, you know, different minorities represented. And, you know, if you end up with one group of people sitting on a board, <laughs> then you're going to get the same answers from a lot of those people on the board whereas if you make it up with a diverse group of people you're going to get a much more interesting conversation happening every month when you meet up and uh, this is why you know we need to push to support dyslexia and dyslexic people and um, 
get them through school, get them succeeding, get them, get them empowered, and then get them into the workplace uh, where they're achieving and feeling valued. Yeah, it's all about really feeling valued and connected and appreciated. And I think when people feel that, then they can succeed. Um, Definitely. It doesn't take a lot to have a child in a school system that's actually passing some tests. They don't need to pass them all. They don't need to get the top mark in all of them. But if you're leaving school without any qualifications, in my mind, the school has failed you or the system has failed you. And um, there is no reason why every child shouldn't be getting some grades to, to leave school and to be able to get onto that job market and to be earning money and supporting their family at the end of the day. And okay. if we're not doing that, then they're going to end up you know, in a serious situation and often you know, perhaps heading into the prison system, which is then going to become a massive burden for you know, society and um, yeah, a massive issue for that individual who's you know, not been really given the opportunity to achieve. Yeah, and we talk a lot about literacy as a basic human right and that no one should leave school without the, the fundamental literacy and numeracy skills they need to be able to um, access higher education or the employment that they want. So with, there's still a lot of work to be done, I think, to ensure that's happening. What well, I really feel assistive technology is the is the level up. Um, you know, you can have a great teacher, you have great parents who support you, but actually, at the end of the day, you need those two. But you also need assistive technology to help you manage on your own and work independently. I've come across students recently who have had 15 years of a human reader sitting next to them, supporting them where they're reading, which is you, know, you could say the Rolls Royce service. Mm. But actually, <laughs> those people when they head into the workplace, they're going to be where's my human reader gone? Because it's not practical to give someone a human reader for the rest of their life. So you know, help them every day, do reading and all the rest and working with them on strategies, but also give them assistive technology so that they're, when they're on their computer, they can have text to speech, they can have voice to speech, they can have I don't know, things like Grammarly, which will check the, the grammar. Mm. You know, and if they're working with printed materials, then um, you know, devices like our portable pen scanners can be great for accessing you know, printed materials and kind of uh, you know whether that be in the classroom or in the workplace it's interesting you say that because my mum's my human editor but um, I wouldn't have got to where I am without assisted technology and it's only been through trial and error for me because I was diagnosed at 27 with dyslexia so I've never had never been trained in any of the assistive technology I've learned it myself um, so is that how you developed your scan pen? Because part of our um, podcast today was to talk about assistive technology and the scan pen you developed. So how did that come about? Definitely. So, yeah, I have a, a business where we've got a business partner and I've been doing this for some 15 years now. The business is called Scanning Pens and the website is uh, scanningpens.com and we sort of set our stall out as an independent supplier of portable scanners and we mainly focus on reading uh, because we just think the pens are fabulous for supporting independent reading but we do also cross a bit into language translation and also data capture so those are areas we can also support uh, we have a couple of um, well, a couple of important products the reader pen and also the exam reader pen uh, the reader pen uh, is a portable device and it includes, uh, so it's, sorry, its main function is reading aloud, but it also has a dictionary so you can look up the meaning of words. 
It has scan to file, so you can go to the library, do your research, capture it, and put it onto the computer. Or you can actually be connected straight into a PC, Mac, Chromebook, and you can be scanning straight into those machines, and it's just sending the information directly to the cursor. So do you the mean... Pens also um, have... Sorry, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. So if it's scanning into the computer, do you mean so if you're trying to note-take and you are highlighting sections of a book? Yeah. Or does it read every every single word and it's just... Because I haven't used one before, yeah, so, it, so it'd be great. Yeah, so, so in the... In, <laughs> Yeah, in the scan to file, um, you can literally be there with your textbook and you've been asked to write a, an essay on, I don't know, pomegranates, let's say, and you've got some information <laughs> about pomegranates there. You can be scanning over the important uh, paragraphs or information about that uh, fruit and you can then be putting it into note file. So everything you capture is just occurring on the screen. So taking out these key uh, elements from all the different books you might have next to you, which you're using. And then you wow. can store it and, uh, and then um, upload it or send it directly across. And then um, the, the, the final thing I was going to mention is there's a voice recorder too. So for some students, they really struggle to take notes in class as well as to be able to hear the teacher at the same time. Mm -hmm. So with the pen scanner, it's got a built-in microphone and you can just say to the teacher, would you mind if I put the pen at the front of the class and recorded the lesson today? And in that way, the lesson can be recorded and you can listen to it back on the pen later on or upload it to your computer. I can't wait to trial it because I have, I like to have everything in paper, especially for uni. So when I download all my journal articles and I want to highlight everything and then you've got to go back and find the papers that you've highlighted. So it'll be great to test, trial it out and um, scan all those important bits of information I need and not lose them. <laughs> Definitely. And yeah, we're really beginning to see that uh, our technology is bridging the gap between paper and digital because the fact it does work with devices like um, Chromebooks and you know, PCs and Mac does mean you can be in a classroom setting. You're looking at stuff on a screen, but also you're getting handouts. You're getting, you know, we've all got wonderful libraries in our schools that we should still be accessing. You can access those books in the classroom and put that information onto the computer and have it all in one place, whether that be in Google Docs or Evernote or you know, just on your, on your machine. So what led you to develop a pen that can read? Okay, so um, yeah, I got involved in this kind of technology 15 years ago when we founded Scanning Pens. Um, it was in fact an Israeli company which was making uh, products already called Wizcom. And they were looking for a UK uh, distributor. And I, myself and my business partner, Toby, we were already quite involved with uh, education and technology. And we jumped at the opportunity to work with a, a company along these lines. And so, I don't know, life sometimes goes full circle. And uh, I never imagined that I would work in an organization that was you know, doing a lot for dyslexia and raising awareness of dyslexia. You know, when I it was at school and was struggling with dyslexia so uh, for me it's kind of quite exciting to end up in this field and you know, as a company now we support some of the major dyslexia conferences around the world whether that be in the US or Australia or the UK you know or, or elsewhere where we really align ourselves with uh, dyslexia organizations and in Australia we work very closely with um, the Spelds and Ausspeld and um but just going back to you asked about um the pens so the pens were already around already 
kind of developed, but they were uh, an old generation of pens. They had, um, a, um, uh, they were a scanner, now they're cameras. So the technology has moved forward dramatically. So you've got really big, powerful chips on them, uh, which can allow you to have really nice voices. And the camera allows it to pick up very accurately the words that are scanned. So I think for, you know, for 10 years, we really struggled with the technology we had. And it's really only the last four or five years that scanning pens has worked with, in fact, a Swedish manufacturer, C-Pen. And we've managed to get these, this fantastic new range of portable scanners. They're literally, they're battery operated. They last for eight hours in a row. And they can allow someone to, whether it's a menu in a restaurant, to quickly read that menu and hear it aloud. Or in an exam, these students are now back in the main exam hall with their headphones plugged in, working on their own. No longer are they being put in a separate room with human <laughs> readers. And I think yeah. my biggest breakthrough working for this company has been to get exam boards around the world to allow this pen to be used um, for students who struggle with reading because you know, if you can't read the question you can't answer it. No and I've gone off on tangents even just with assignments misreading the assignment question and submitting essays that were completely wrong because I'd misread the question. <laughs> so it's so easily yeah. done and when you're under pressure um, and time pressure to be able to respond, it makes it so much harder. So what is the difference between the, the scanning pen and then the exam pen? Yeah, so the two pens that we've helped develop in the last few years are reader pen, all one word, and exam reader, all one word. So reader pen kind of comes with all the features. It's a white pen, and exam reader is an orange pen. Now the exam reader only reads aloud. It doesn't have any other features. So okay. it reads aloud. And it read and these pens do work in a number of languages, including French and Spanish. The, I mean, you talked about the pressures on, on the student, of which they are great, and you know, nothing is more high pressured than taking an exam. And if you are a dyslexic person taking an exam, it's doubly high pressured because you know, you've got many issues which will be coming into play on that stressful day. And mm. you know, there's a lot of talk nowadays about wellness and anxiety and all these sorts of things which, which come into play as well. And, you know, it's like anything, if you're not ready, ready to go to work or you're not um, in the right frame of mind to go to school, you're not going to do well. So we need to help the, the young people and adults to be in the right frame of mind to come in and not feel too stressed, not too pressured. But the, um, yeah, the exam reader pen is also really, well, and the reader pen, they're really helping with resourcing in schools too. So uh, as well as relieving pressure on that individual student, it's relieving pressure on the school because no longer is the school having to put uh, humans next to students all day long. They can uh, be using the pen scanner technology or you know, other types of assistive technology and working on their own. And these classroom teachers and support teachers can be moving around the classroom, supporting a wider group of children, which is much better for everyone involved. And actually is going to help the, the mainstream students as well as supporting the, the individual students. Um, and one other pressure I was going to say is to do with exams. We, we have schools in the UK that have got 50 children taking one exam who struggle mm -hmm. with reading and have got accommodations. The school can't cope. They don't have enough human readers. They don't have rooms. So, by using our technology, those students can be back in the main exam hall, headphones plugged in, managing on their own with their peer group. They're not being segregated into a different room and perhaps sitting with someone they don't know or in some cases, you know, I've spent time in America recently. You, know, you might have someone who 
doesn't have English as a first language who's supporting you with your reading on your exam day. Mm. And if you can't understand the human reader or you feel embarrassed to ask or intimidated, it can create problems too. Yeah, and I could imagine um, the feelings of shame or embarrassment that you have to have a, a human reader and for them to be able to explain things to you or support you um, could cause its own set of problems. Definitely. And, um, you know, I think it's just about getting young people using assistive technology from a young age. I think assistive technology is so powerful, uh, whether it be the pen scanners or whether it be you know, apps on your computer or your phone or even using things like Kindles. Um, Kindles are fantastic because you can look up words and you can, with some of them, you can hear the words read aloud to you too. You know, we need to get young people accessing assistive technology. And we also need to level the playing field in exams. So uh, I think the most exciting thing that's happened to us in recent years is that they've said in the UK, anyone can use the exam reader pen in any exam without the need for accommodations. Oh, wow. In some countries, people, yeah, they, some countries people work for two years with lawyers to try and get accommodations, mm. um, certainly in the US. And it's a real struggle to get just some basic support for these students. Whereas the UK have said anyone can use the pen in any exam as long as it's part of your normal way of working. So you can't be given it on the day of your exam. And this is meaning that, you know, maybe you've got English as an additional language or maybe you were never diagnosed as dyslexic. Maybe it's very mild dyslexia. And so you're doing a chemistry exam and some of those words are very long and you can just use the pen to swipe over the words, hear it aloud and you're managing on your own and yeah I'm on a big personal mission to try and get other exam boards you know, many other exam boards allow the pens as part of an accommodation system and that's what happens in Australia and uh, the US and you know, South Africa and other places but I would like to get more to follow what's happened in the UK so that any person taking a test if they find the need for a device to help them read the question they can use a product like the exam reader pen to help level that playing field. It's I mean, if there like, is a particular re reading question, then you know, reading exam, then you know, that may not be allowed. But you know, just generally, we should allow people to access the question because then they can answer it. Mm, it's a bit like Grammarly. So in my organisation, once I um, told them I was dyslexic and we did some work and then I said I'm using Grammarly and so everyone got access to it. Um, and so sometimes it's, you know, offering everyone the technology improves either the outcomes of everyone's exams or the outcomes of everyone's literacy when they're writing in the workplace. And sometimes it's just best practice that everyone should have access to these things because then everyone's succeeding. Definitely. And um, there's a, a, a famous term, which I think came out of the US called UDL, so Universal Design for Learning. And um, I've been working in a school in the Bronx. Uh, I've been in a couple of times. They've, they're running a pilot of our pens in the Bronx in New York. And those students, um, you know, we went in after two months to see how they'd gone on. And the students who've been using the pens are now becoming the peer mentors to their peers. So some of them said to us how now, because they're able to work through the curriculum and read the words aloud using the pen, that some of their student colleagues are now coming to them saying hi are you able to tell me what this word is because i'm not sure about it 
and we very much see our technology as being part of universal design for learning and you know we would really love um, schools to have you know, three or four of our pens in each of the classrooms and so that any student um, can go and pick up the pen and use it to access printed words and, and, and get into the curriculum because if you can't get into the curriculum you're going to feel very left out and you're going to be beginning to fail in your in your school so um, we need as we've discussed earlier we need children to pass exams and to come out of school you know feeling empowered that they can achieve and that they can go into the workplace and, and be valued it's very exciting technology i can't wait to trial it how do you see it placed in the workplace because i mean it's originally um, been developed for students but do you do much work with um people working in the workplace with the pens you know i'm really pleased you i'm really pleased you've asked that question uh shay so i mean we as a business we focus a lot on on school aged students but um Actually, the products, the pens, the reader pen and exam reader are perfectly suitable for, we say, seven to adult. And we are seeing more and more uh, workplace provision uh, for our kind of technology. And it's quite interesting, something like the exam reader pen, which doesn't store any data on it. And so that was the fundamental difference. It's, it's got no storage, no dictionary. There's a lot of data protection issues in the workplace. And so a device like ours just allows anyone to quickly access words on meeting notes or you know uh, documents that are being passed around the office but in a data protected way because the pen does not store any data you know there's a huge drive to protect information and you know i i have concerns about people using some of the phone apps in the workplace to take pictures and have documents read aloud because you know, certainly if you're new to a company and you go around and start taking pictures of medical records and all the rest, you know, I imagine that people will be you know, a little bit concerned about you know, what's happening with those images and where are they going to end up. Whereas mm. our technology, you know for sure that it's going to just read aloud. There's also a question of perception too. If you're someone who's on your phone a lot, and uh, please don't get me wrong, there's tons of great stuff on telephones, there's wonderful apps that you can use, and I would encourage people to to use those apps um, but as far as our pen is concerned there's a perception that people are working using our pen either in the school or the workplace they're scanning over things hearing it aloud all it does is really support with reading and, and etc whereas if you're with your phone all the time clicking about in it there can be a perception we've heard that the person using it is not always necessarily working mm, yeah. and, um, it's just a side kind of angle i wanted to mention because um yeah it's really important the perception of how people with disabilities are perceived in school and the workplace mm. and i mean i have my phone with me all the time and i say to my team my phone is here because i need it for my to for organization so i'll be on it to check calendars or when we're trying to do things so that's the only time i'll have my phone but it is a perception that people are either texting or on facebook or doing other things and not being present in the meeting or whatever they need to be doing. Exactly. I mean, uh, last thing I was going to mention on that is also importantly, you know, I'm someone yeah, with dyslexia and I get very easily distracted. <laughs> so um, by having a device like a pen scanner, you know that if you're sitting there for 30 minutes doing a piece of work, you are working and you are accessing words you're not sure about and looking up the meanings in the dictionary. Whereas 
if I was using my phone a lot while I was trying to work, I'm going to get easily distracted with social media and messaging and emails and all the rest yes. of that coming in. So um, I think that's an important point too. So can I ask a very, because um, I'm very literal now, does this pen write as well or is it purely just for scanning? It is purely just for scanning. So you so, still need a normal pen to do your writing with. Okay, because I was thinking for reading. Yeah. I was going to take notes Definitely. and have it recorded so when I'm in my meetings I could be writing and it's recording my notes for me. Yeah, maybe we should add a uh, like a pen to the end of it so you can also do uh, <laughs> writing as well as as well as reading. Um, That's the literal side of me, sorry. <laughs> um, so, sorry, we've digressed a little bit around um, the workplace and my needs but what do you think are the top three challenges that uh, you see for those with dyslexia in our community at the moment I mean especially because um, you travel around it, the world you know I do I feel really privileged to have a an international perspective you know I spend a lot of time in the US and you know wider Europe and meeting people every day who might run dyslexia organizations or be teachers or people who struggle with dyslexia um, I think some of the challenges are firstly the assessment we need to try and assess students from a younger age and we need to know as early as possible that they are dyslexic and I know from being in some schools in Atlanta where they've got some great dyslexia schools they try and get the students into their schools at seven and push them back out by 12 back into mainstream education and they've really worked hard on all the phonics and um, you know, the strategies for getting them working independently. And I think that is absolutely key. Um, mm, that's an interesting uh, way of doing things. Yeah, so I think assessment is key. You know, finding out at an early age, getting those uh, appropriate uh, assistive technologies in place uh, to support you and possibly accommodations too, if that's required. Um, yeah, so the, the assessment's key. Yeah, getting assistive tech is the second thing. So we need to raise awareness of assistive technology to, uh, you know, how powerful it is, you know, whether it's on the computer or elsewhere, how it can you know, level the playing field. I mean, some people talk about a crutch. So, you know, you break your leg, you go to hospital, you get your leg fixed, you're given a crutch. You use that crutch for a period of time. And then in some aspects, you don't always need it forever. And that's how, in some ways, I see dyslexia. And whilst you won't lose your dyslexic traits by any means, yeah, we've been working with an eight-year-old in the UK who she's used our pen now for two years and she's dyslexic and she is now not using the pen as much, which I really like. So mm. she's done so much reading. She's hearing words so many times that she's managing to overcome some of the issues she's had with dyslexia. And I think that's really positive. Um, so we talked about assessment, assistive technology, and, and thirdly, I think we really need to do a lot with adults. I think there's so many people who have been left behind, you know, have been failed by the education system, failed by the governments. They need, we need to help people who are the illiterate people who are out there. In America, there's 32 million adults who are not above grade four literacy so wow. are effectively illiterate and these people need to 
they need to vote, they need to, mm. uh, maybe they're in jail, they need to uh, fill in, sign parole papers agreeing to commit to certain things. We are leaving a lot of adults behind and we need to help them as well. Yeah, which, we need to catch up with them. Which is what I love because that's exactly what we're trying to do at the foundation, supporting young people and adults because they have been left behind. And the interview I did with um, the other week around um, people in the prison system in America, but also that you know people are in poverty or they don't have the money. The children have been left behind so much faster because they don't have a universal healthcare system. Where I guess in Australia we're very lucky to a point where even though you, your assessment's not covered, you can access some speech support. Um, I don't know what it's like in the UK. When I was there, your healthcare system seemed pretty good. But it's um, the countries where there's no universal healthcare system that people are really getting left behind as well. Definitely. And, you know, I think the, the message is, you know, a lot of the support you can get isn't expensive. You know, some of the apps you can use nowadays, particularly, you know, particularly suitable for adults, are free. And, mm. you know, if you, most people have got a, a phone of some sort and you, know, you can download apps that can really help you get through your every day. I mean, Scanning Pens is a company we are now beginning to have conversations well, starting conversations two years ago with the prison system because people are locked up sometimes for 22 hours a day and then they can use our technology in the cells to actually start reading. We need people to leave the prison system and the, have skills. And if they can read, that's going to be a much better um, outcome for them and for the, the, the taxpayers who are paying for people to be locked away in prison. And um, yeah, we want to lower the reoffending rate. We don't want so many people reoffending. And the second thing I was just mentioned is about uh, voting systems. So mm -hmm. <laughs> we've started talking to voting systems, including in Australia, where it's um, it's mandatory to go and vote. Yes. If people can't read the voting slip, they can't decide who to vote for, and it yes, allows right. for people to push you in a way mm -hmm. to vote for someone that perhaps you don't want to vote for. So, so we're I talking to voting systems. Of I, um, yep. I wrote a blog on the fact at how I had um, accidentally voted incorrectly a couple of years ago after I spoke to my sister about it because really? it was so hard. It's really hard. And now I can't, you either vote above the line and you can only vote for six people or you have to vote below the line and it can be 20 odd people. And because it's so confusing, my options for who I want to vote for are reduced because it's too overwhelming to try and read and vote for 20 people and get the number ordering right than it is to vote for six people. And even then, if the names are similar, like some of them are in Australia, I nearly made a mistake this voting round because the names were similar of two parties. And if I hadn't reread it a few times, I would have voted incorrectly. So I'm so glad you're talking about that because it's extremely frustrating as an adult and when it's such an important thing to um, have to do and to have your when voice can, heard. I, I, I guess it can be quite a, uh, an intimidating day for someone who's uh, got a disability who's trying to vote because they're going to get fined if they don't vote. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, um, you know, if you, if you don't vote for the right person, that's going to um, you know, leave you feeling a bit dejected. Yes. It does. So it's great that you're looking at that. And um, if there's anything we can help around advocating in Australia for improving the uh, electoral role and how we vote, please let us know because we'd love to um, to Thank support you. in any we, way. We definitely see we definitely see Australia as a test bed for um, using our pens in voting systems. So uh, we're yeah, quite great. excited about that, and we'll be in touch. 
we were talking about um, assistive technology and how a lot of it is free. And I mean, in the workplace, you can download a lot of stuff and no one needs to know you're actually using assistive technology. So um, how can people access your pen because it's not for free or do, can schools buy it in bulk? How does that work? Yeah, so as far as the education system, we tend to, I mean, our, our main customer of our schools, they tend to buy, when we do a 30-day trial, they can try the pen out for 30 days, uh, wherever that um, school may be, um, and certainly in Australia and the US and Canada and the UK, it's very easy to organise a 30-day trial. For parents uh, or for individuals, they can order from our website or from Amazon and you get a 30-day returns policy, so you have to actually pay for it up front, obviously, but then you can return it if it's not suitable. So for our listeners out there who might um, get funding through university, your disability coordinator, they might be able to help source funding for you so you can purchase the pen if you like it as well. Um, and there's also, I think, through Job Seekers Network, if you register with them, you can also apply for funding that could enable you to purchase the pen uh, as well if you needed that extra support. You know, that's absolutely right, Shay. And um, I would also say that even employers, you know, they have a duty, uh, often a legal duty, to support people with disabilities in their office and it's in their best interest to. So um, often businesses um, now, you know, by, by individuals' pens, and uh, the, the organisation Ernst & Young have uh, approved our pen for use, and the exam reader pen for, for use within their organisation, and they're one of the big, mm. uh, uh, big organisations. So to have that happen, that then allows other companies to think, well, actually, if they've done it, then um, this is something we should be considering too. And, you know, they've, they've made sure that it's a safe, uh, you know, sensible device that's secure, that can be used within a, you know, a complex um, business organisation. That's fantastic. They're leading the way. It's really good to hear um, that Australia is starting to make some waves because we always feel like we're so far behind and, you know, we're fighting an uphill battle that it's great to hear um, your perspective that we're starting to make some really good advances. Oh, I, I'd just jump in there and say that Australia is actually our fastest growing market. So, um I think you you guys are in a fantastic position as far as supporting people with disabilities at the moment. And yeah, you may not feel you're you're there yet. And I'm sure there's well, we all know there's tons more campaigning and work to be done because there are people being left behind. But I think you could definitely feel a little bit good that um, yeah, there is now a big concentration of effort and resources uh, happening in Australia. That's good to hear. Is there anything else you'd like to add today before we wrap up for people that might be struggling at school or in the workplace or any of your learnings from travelling around the world? Um, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> there may not be. That's okay too. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I just really feel that assistive technology can help level the playing field and, you know, uh, I, I do do this as a business, so you could say that I've got a financial interest, but uh, it's much more than that. I, you know, I feel so good getting up every day because I know that our pens are being used in exams, are being used in everyday use, and we're making them better every day. So we work with the manufacturer to develop the products and we're adding more and more languages, more and more accents. So this year we're adding Australian uh, as an accent to the pen, which is going to mm -hmm. make a big difference. And we're also, you know, we, we look to um, support 
other disabilities too. So I've recently been with some people with a Down syndrome and I was really shocked at how they are now beginning to use our technology and it's making such a difference. Uh, this one student I met in America, she normally came in and sat in the corner of the room coloring. She is now sitting in a group, so she's engaging more with other individuals and they plug the pen into a speaker in the middle of the table and they pass it around and they're each reading different books. And this is a girl with Down syndrome who's now read her first book. She's read the whole of Harry Potter. And oh, I was just blown away that um, you know, what we can do supports dyslexia, but also a much wider group of people who struggle with um, accessing literature and, and text. We can't do anything with handwriting, I should add. And as far as visual impairments are concerned, you need to be able to see the line of text to be able to read it. So, mm, uh, yep. You know, um, if you could use a yellow highlighter to highlight a line in a book, then you could use our technology. But we, we, we generally say our product is not for everyone, but to try it out, give it a go. And um, certainly there's tens of thousands of schools now and individuals who are using our technology to independently access information every day of the week. Well, I can't wait to try the pen, seeing I use minimal technology. <laughs> So I'm really excited to give it, a, um, give it a go and for people to ha have a look at that when I do a live Facebook post uh, in the coming weeks. So thank you so much, Jack, for coming on the show today and for sharing your story and um, our conversation around scanning pens and assisted technology. It's been great to um, hear from you and hear what you're doing across the world. So thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. And um, yeah, I wish all the best to all your listeners out there. Thank you. Have a great day. If you'd like to hear more about Jack and his amazing story or how to purchase a scanning pen, head to the Dear Dyslexic website. Also, if you haven't already done so yet, make sure you sign up to our mailing list so you can keep up to date with all the work that we are doing at the Foundation. Head to deardyslexic.com. And don't forget, if there's anything you've heard today that you've found distressing, you can contact Beyond Blue, 1300 double two four six three six or lifeline 13 double one 14 thanks for listening until next time bye for now bye